morning, everybody. Uh, we're just going to kick off, go straight into the song. So, if everybody would like to stand up, we'll do we want my wake us all up a bit. Okay? Remembers that song. Let me see your hands. If you come on, give me a wave. All the oldies remember that song. It was it was actually really funny. In the first service, in the first service, Daniel Daniel said in the front. He says to me, "Dad, is this a new song?" Ah, <laughs> oh, good, 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 good. Turn around, and say hello to somebody, and then grab your seats in a minute. Turn around. Brilliant. All right. 
It's really good to see you all, um, and you're really welcome to our 11.30 service. This is round two, which is great. We love it. Um, let me tell you just a few things that's going to happen. Dave's preaching this morning, which is great, and I've already heard it, which is excellent. So he's an excellent word for you this morning. Robbie's going to be on tonight, continuing on and feeding the 4,000. Um, Robbie's going to be feeding the 4,000 tonight, so... That'll be interesting to come and see. Um, we're receiving tithes and offerings later on in the service during worship, maybe after the second, third song. Um, you'll see little bags going along the row. We love the fact that you're generous here. The stuff that we're able to do for what you give is great. If you're a visitor here, don't be under pressure to give. But if you are a member and you give, thank you so, so much. You can give various ways by the little putting into the bag by um, standing order if you're uh, a regular here, which is great. Don't forget the gift aid, and you can give via uh, the tax giving as well. You just follow the details on the screen at some stage, and uh, it will tell you how to do that. Um, we've got a connection point at the back. Um, really, really good uh, if you need any information if you just go to the back, they'll see you afterwards. There'll be somebody <clears throat> there with a nice smiley face that will tell you anything you need to know. A weekly email goes out, usually it'll ramble from me, and uh, but more importantly, some of the details of the weekend coming up and the week coming up, which is really important. Prayer room is um, on a weekly basis now at the moment still, so don't forget to get a prayer slot. Um, which is just weekly. We'll start the new rhythm again in September. And then don't forget prayer meeting is back on all the Wednesday nights bar the last one in August. And this Wednesday night coming will be in Portadown at a quarter to eight for tea and coffee and then worship and prayer together. Um, also, Kids Week coming up, um, 20th to 24th. I know that um, the preschool and primary school age is closed, but there is a waiting list, but there's still space for special needs. And the Sunday after that, when that all finishes, um, there's a family service. This is my, honestly, this is my favorite service of the year. It's manic, all right? We don't do a 9.30 that morning. There'll be no um, early service. There'll just be one service that day, so it'll be packed. There'll be kids everywhere. They'll be swinging from the chandeliers and everything. It'll be great fun. It'll be, and um, they'll, we'll be hearing some of the stuff that they'll have done during that week. And then off the back of that, we head to the park for our family picnic. Um, so bring your picnic with you. And then we just head straight to the park from here after that, which is the 26th of August. So that's going to be really, really good fun. Galatians devotionals at the back as well. Um, so that's good. Any, any, any ping pong stories? I know there is a couple of ping pong stories. Yeah? Yeah? Mom? Thanks, Tierna. Two. Good. Tierna? No, you're not. Hi. Um, last July, I was baptized, and after my baptism, a friend that I work with, um, started asking questions around my faith and about Emmanuel and about Jesus. And last year she came with me um, one evening after that. She never really came back, but I just prayed hard into it because I knew that 
that Jesus was on her heart. And four weeks ago, she started coming here with me. Um, and last Sunday, she gave her life to the Lord. Tyler. <laughs> so I feel extremely blessed and very, very privileged to now call her my sister. Uh, yesterday morning, uh, I woke up at six o'clock in the morning, so I did, and by half six, quarter to seven, I got a disturbing text about a friend of mine who wanted to end his life. Prayed for him on the, on the phone and stuff, come around. Yesterday morning, he tried to kill himself. He was found in the house with the blood running out of him, right? And last night, so I decided to go to his house to pray for him. So I went to last night, we prayed for him in the house, and asked Jesus for the help deliver me. I said, look, the Lord has kept you here. You were found for a reason. So you were. Now, he come back this morning. He was up early this morning. He come to my house. I gave him prayer this morning. I said, Danny, he'd hurt his leg. Prayed for his leg. He was healed down in on his leg. Right? So I prayed before he left the house. I said, I prayed Psalm 91 over him. So I did the hedge of protection and deliver him. So he left my house. He rang me about 15 minutes later. He says, Rabbi, what did I do? I says, you have that wee prayer that I give you from the church here? I says, you don't need me, you need Jesus. So you do. And he says, right, will you stand me the prayer? I sent him the prayer. Five minutes later, phone rung. He says, you're the second and only kids are here. I've just given myself to the Lord. Oh, come on. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Oh, you never tire of those stories, you don't? Incredible. The power of Almighty God is incredible. I think I've got all the... Haven't I got them all? Okay, good. Um, let, me, let me read a couple of verses just as we, as we get going again. Um, so lovely to be... I was on holiday last week, as many of you know. Um, I had a week off, and it was great. Uh, but you do miss, you miss family, you miss church, um, miss all your lovely, beautiful faces. Um, you do not, some of you are looking at me like you don't believe me, but I, re- I do, I really, really do. So it's lovely to be back. And um, I, there's, there's no doubt there's a shift at the moment. There's no doubt in church there's a shift. There's no doubt in... I think, I think in, the, in the atmosphere, if your spiritual antenna's up, there's a shift. And there, there, there's something of a Holy Spirit move at the moment that I think is drawing our attention. Um, I think God's trying to say something very, very powerful at the minute. I felt really rebuked about... Um, uh, when I was away, I just... I felt God really challenged me about continually seeking His face for people and continually seeking His face for things. But I felt God challenged me, when was the last time that I actually fasted and prayed just for Him? Remember when He came down in the cool of the day, if you read my email this week, He came down in the cool of the day just to hang out with Adam, just to talk about His day and Adam's day. And I felt God challenged me about when was the last time I just saw this face, just for presence, just for relationship. 
And there's something that God's doing at the moment, I think. And here's a passage. I woke with us in the, this morning. And I was saying to Gary, this is an oldie as well. Some of you will recognize the song. And I felt I should sing it, but don't worry. The Lord soon talked me out of it. And realized it was just me thought I should sing it. But it says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. To the soul who seeks him, it is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. We're about to break bread together. Um, we, we love to celebrate communion. And we don't do it just out of ritual or out of habit. We do it because it's something very special to us. You'll find two tables at the back and two tables at the front. And we do it as an act of worship. So as we go into this next song, um, it'll come up on the screen, but feel free right from we start worship to start moving to celebrate together we do it as families we do it before our kids go out to sunday school so if you've explained the nature of this to your kids and they know jesus as our lord and savior then we love the fact that we can come and worship together around this beautiful beautiful symbolic gesture of god and that's not to diminish the power of it it is symbolic because it's pointing us back to something, forward to something, that when the real person appears, we won't need this. But at this moment, it's very special. It reminds us of the body that was broken. It reminds us of the blood that was shed at Calvary. And so, as you do it this morning, can you remember this? That the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. And His mercies never come to an end. So God, this morning as we worship you, may you challenge our hearts. There's a shift in the atmosphere. We feel it. We sense that you're lining um, things up in your, in your kingdom at this moment in time. And it, it's just beautiful and humbling to realize that we play a part in co-partnering with the king of all the earth in aligning these last days into, into putting into place what is, is right and what is proper for the return of the Lord. What a day to live. So God, as we remember you this morning, as we remember Jesus, as we remember the price that was paid at Calvary, may you challenge our hearts and may we be thankful that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. So Lord, be with us this morning as we worship and Jesus name. Let's stand. Let's start moving out to the tables and bless you Gary as you lead us this morning. I guess my mind to Calvary Jesus bled and died for me I see his words his hands his feet Savior, that cursed tree. 
Jesus, it's your name that we're lifting high above every other name, above every circumstance, every situation. God, we remind ourselves this morning through worship, and we remind ourselves through the word, Jesus, you are Lord. You're Lord over everything. So we bless you this morning, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we just pray that you would just minister peace and every heart and mind. God, particularly unto those, God, who are facing difficult moments, we thank you that your kingdom is present. It's here. It's now. It's tangible. It's, it's with us. God, we just pray, Lord, would your kingdom be released, God, in increasing measures, God, in each of our lives. Surrender ourselves afresh to you, Jesus, in this moment. That Holy Spirit, would you, even as we've worshipped in song, we just want to continue to worship as we go into the word. Would you speak to us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Gary and the guys. We'll be up again at the end um, just to close things off of worship. Good afternoon, everyone. We're after 12 now. How's everyone doing? Um, we, we have been in the series, Servant King, um, looking at the Gospel of Mark. And what we've been doing each of the weeks uh, since we've started it, we give out these books. This is a free copy of Mark's Gospel. Um, if you have this with you this morning, could you take it out? We're going to be going through some verses, uh, reading through this as well. If you haven't got a copy and would like one, still need one, could you put your hand up? The guys have got loads of copies at the back. And uh, keep your hands up high, and uh, we'll, we'll get you one of these, just to make sure that you have one. <laughs> and to go through it, well done, Dixie. Got yours with you this week. Good man. Um, keep them up. Andrew, there's one at the very back row, a couple of very back row. You will see in these, if I'm being truthfully honest, um, we decided we were doing a series of Mark's Gospel, but we've had these sitting in the back of the church for the last number of years with about a thousand copies of these. So some of you might find a leaflet inside advertising a ministry that we stopped doing about six years ago, just in case uh, you go to phone the number on it, looking look that service. So uh, if you find that, uh, guys, just somewhere at the front, Andrew. Just up here. It's a bit of exercise for you this morning. <laughs> Good stuff. Okay, so we are we are in Mark chapter seven, and we're going to be reading along on page twenty-four and page twenty-five. If you want to follow along on this with me, and um, what we're going to do this morning, we'll just read through the passage, and then. Um, if you have a pen with you, we're just going to pick out a few verses, go through this, and take out a few things from it. One of the things I just really felt this morning um, as we were worshipping, obviously it's a really obvious thing to say when you've sung a couple of golden oldies, uh, but I felt just this morning, even during the first service, uh, and just knowing just the word that I'm about to, to share this morning as the Holy Spirit uh, was speaking just during the week and leading it. I feel that this is a really, it's a basic word in principle. Um, the passage we're going to look at, we're just going to read the passage, and we're going to allow the passage to teach and to speak for itself this morning, but I feel that this is, it's almost a, it's almost a returning to the basics of, of some things this morning. I feel that the word the Spirit really wants to, to share is about what it means to continue to live free. I feel that there are, there are people... Uh, people in different situations that are going on in people's lives this morning where it feels that 
while, while you are one of the free, you're, you're saved, you're free for all time, but it feels like that there's just stuff in your life that you just don't feel free at the moment. And I felt that what the Holy Spirit really wanted to press into this morning especially was how do we as free people continue to be free, continue to live freely? What are the principles that we need to put in place and to make sure that we have in our lives and a daily rhythm and a daily practice so that we can continue to be free, that we can continue to experience freedom in our lives? Because one of the verses that we'll look at in a little while says, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. So we need to make some right choices in our lives to make sure that we continue to be free people. If you have um, yeah, the, the, the copies of this now, so we're on page 24 and 25, and we're going to read through, uh, you see chapter 7, the teaching of the ancestors, and we'll read to the bottom, the end of page 25. And this, so we're going up to verse 23, if you're following along in another translation. Let me just read this. Some Pharisees and several teachers of the law of Moses from Jerusalem came and gathered around Jesus. They noticed that some of his disciples ate without first washing their hands. The Pharisees and many other Jewish people obey the teachings of their ancestors. They always wash their hands in the proper way before eating. None of them will eat anything they buy in the market until it is washed. They also follow a lot of other teachings, such as washing cups, jugs, and bowls. The Pharisees and teachers asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples obey what our ancestors taught us to do? Why do they eat without washing their hands? Jesus replied, You're nothing but show us. The prophet Isaiah was right when he wrote that God had said, All of you, uh, all of you praise me with your words, but you never really think about me. It is useless for you to worship me when you teach rules made up by humans. You disobey God's commands in order to obey what humans have taught. You're good at rejecting God's commands so that you can follow your own teachings. Didn't Moses command you to respect your father and mother? Didn't he tell you to put to death all who curse their parents? But you let people get by without helping their parents when they should. You let them say that what they own has been offered to God. Why, why you won't let those people help their parents and you ignore God's commands in order to follow your own teaching. You do a lot of other things that are just as bad. Jesus then called the crowd together again and said, pay attention and try to understand what I mean. The food that you put into your mouth doesn't make you unclean and unfit to worship God. The bad words that come out of your mouth are what make you unclean. After Jesus and his disciples had left the crowd and had gone into the house, they asked him what these sayings meant. He answered, don't you know what I'm talking about by now? Surely you know that the food you put into your mouth cannot make you unclean. It doesn't go into your heart, but goes into your stomach and then out of your body. By saying this, Jesus meant that all foods were fit to eat. Then Jesus said, what comes from your heart is what makes you unclean. Out of your heart come evil thoughts, vulgar deeds, stealing, murder, unfaithfulness in marriage, greed, meanness, deceit, inadequacy, envy, insults, pride, and foolishness. Sorry, there wasn't decency earlier. All, all these come from your heart, and they are what make you unfit to worship God. 
Cool. So we, we just wanted to, to look um, just to see what, what this passage teaches us. What, what One of the things that I really wanted to, to land on this so that we can have a better understanding of, of really what the Lord is trying to speak uh, this morning to us was just to go back again and look at some of our basic understanding about this book of Mark. Because in understanding this, it allows us to see and understand some of the things that are actually being written in this. So th- this book of Mark, um, as we'll have looked at, it was written primarily for, for Gentiles. It was written primarily for a non-Jewish audience. That's why you'll see even in this chapter, Mark takes great lengths to be able to explain this is what the Pharisees do. These are the rules. These are the regulations. Because by and large, this was written in Rome. It was written with people in mind who were not from a Jewish tradition. So it was telling them, here's some of the things that were going on at this point. And what Mark is doing is Mark is unpacking and telling some of the stories of Jesus. Uh, and as we said, Mark himself wouldn't have had much first-hand experience, didn't have any of this, first-hand experience of any of the things that they'd seen. But Mark heard all these things from Peter. Peter, one of the 12 disciples, the one who denied Jesus three times. This great apostle, the one who, who Jesus said, Peter, your name, will, or he called him Peter, which means rock, and upon you I'm going to build my church. This is the guy that stood up in Acts 2 at the day of Pentecost and proclaimed that the prophecy of Joel had been fulfilled, that the church was now being established. This was the guy who was the great apostle that led the church in Jerusalem. This is the same Peter. And him and Mark were really good friends, and Jesus was telling Mark, all the time, all the stories about Jesus, because this is what they did. They just talked. They loved talking about the stories of Jesus. And so Mark records them, records all these stories that Peter has expressed. And what happened was around AD 65, when Peter died, Mark then wrote this almost as a memoir to his great friend, describing some of the stories that had happened in Peter's life. And the reason, the reason why that's really key, uh, just to look at, is that this was written, the stories that we're reading in this, in Mark's gospel, was written about 30 to 35 years after the stories actually happened. What we need to know is that the gospels weren't written first, the letters were written first, and then what happened was that amongst the churches, as the stories were being discussed, a lot of the gospels were then later written, while chronologically they appear first in, in our books of the Bible. This was written after, and so what we need to know is that this stage, the church has already gone through a generational cycle almost. The church has been formed, the church has been established, it is spreading at this stage. It is now made up of Jews and Gentiles of slave and free, male and female, as Paul said, they're all one in Christ Jesus. This is what Mark was writing this context into. And so into this, what Mark begins to tell is the story of how Jesus, right? He tries to tell how Jesus, not Paul, not his friend Peter, not any other man, but Jesus is challenging about religious customs uh, and, and duties, He's obviously talking about the Jewish one here. And what he does is that he looks, you saw that in verses 3 and 4, if you skim your eyes over it, but he talks about certain things like the Jews would have done. They would have washed their hands before eating. They had to wash all the food that was bought from the markets. Talking about all these principles that people had to follow. And they also talk about the food laws. The reason why this was really key was because um, at that time in the early church, there was this theory of thought that if you were going to be a, a, a true Christian, almost, if you were going to be those who were now going to follow the ways of Jesus, for a Gentile to be truly saved, they couldn't just proclaim Jesus. They also had to follow some Jewish ways. 
They had to follow some Jewish traditions. This was some of the teaching that was going on at this stage. They were putting add-ons on top of Jesus. It was like, you have to have Jesus plus this. And so what Mark is doing in this, in this story, in the gospel of Mark, as it talks about the proclamation of the good news of Jesus, Mark is actually pointing to us, no, actually, these things haven't come from people. These things have come from Jesus, and Jesus is pressing into this. And so he talks about the food laws. He talks about the other laws. And what he's doing is, again, is saying, listen, well, my friend Peter, he was really good. He didn't come up with all this stuff himself. He was simply doing what Jesus had told him to do. Like, so for example, the early church knew this, that Peter in the book of Acts had had this vision. And in the book of Acts in chapter 10, we're told this, that as he went into Cornelius' house, let's read this together. This is Peter, Mark's friend again. So the one who told Mark all these stories. Mark recorded it. This is what happened to Peter. The next day, Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town. Peter went up on the flat roof to to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open, and something like a large sheet that was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. And then a voice said to him, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. Listen to what Peter says in response. No, Lord. Peter declared, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times, and then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. And what happens is Peter came and shared this with the church about how God is now setting aside some of these laws. He's now creating a new people for himself where it wasn't based on these laws and regulations. But some of the Jews just couldn't get it. They were still insisting that this had to happen. And what we're actually told in Galatians chapter 2, if you read it, Paul actually had to come and confront Peter to his face and tell Peter, Peter, the Lord's spoken to you. Don't be a hypocrite. Stop forcing people to follow these Jewish laws. Let's go after this. Let's believe in the freedom that Christ has given for us. That's the verses, sorry, we're just reading. Because this is the principle. This is the verse we looked at earlier. Paul believed us. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. And do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. The Lord has gone to great lengths to ensure that we are a free people. We no longer have to follow the rules and the regulations that the religious laws of the day would put down, but it is, a, it is a free relationship with Jesus. Now we are now in a relationship for freedom. There's a freedom that has been brought into each of our lives, but we, what we see is that sometimes and quite often we end up doing things that cause us to be bound once again in this way. And so what we, what we see in this is that as we go through it, what what Mark is trying to get at his point is this. Because in the early church, you can almost imagine what is going on, even though all this is known. In the church at this stage, while it is growing, there's new people constantly coming in. So people who are not from a Jewish background, people who had never really, never really heard much about Jesus, they've heard the proclamation that the kingdom of heaven has come, that there can be forgiveness of sin, and that Jesus died, he was buried, he rose from the dead, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And people have said, yes, they want to follow this, they want to give their lives to it. But follow what? What is it to follow? And so what Mark is doing is that in this gospel, what Mark is doing, he's laying out stories. Here's the stories of Jesus the one who for us as Christians, this is Jesus Christ, the one who we are following. This is what it means we're going to follow him. And you can, you can bet your bottom dollar that at that stage there was still a lot of aggro going on. 
people are still saying, no, 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 you still got to follow all these Jewish things. Mark's saying, guys, it wasn't to do about Peter. It has nothing to do about Paul. This was all about Jesus. Jesus is the one that has said this. And so in this idea of living freely, two things this morning we're just going to simply look at. Here's what Mark in this chapter I can see is really drawn out. And this morning I would love us to take this and apply it to our understanding and see how, how does this affect us in our lives? Because this is how we interpret scripture. How does it, what was being said to the original readers what was being discussed and was being known and taken out of it in that early point. Yes, I believe in the, in the universal approach of Scripture that the Holy Spirit can speak to different people in different ways. Through, but primarily, what was being spoke to this original context? And by knowing all of that, here's the two things that I simply believe that we we're going to focus this morning. If we're going to be those who want to remain free, as the free people of God, we're going to choose to continue to live freely. The two things we need to be seeking after more and more is this. The lordship of Jesus and guarding the heart. The lordship of Jesus and guarding the heart. Let me, let's just take a look at, uh, at this first one together. The lordship of Jesus. What does it mean for us when we say that Jesus is Lord? The context that Mark's bringing to the original readers is this. Who or what? Are you following? Right? Who or what are you following? Here's, here's the truth. Here's the reality. We're all following someone. We're all following something. Right? And this is the question that Mark was posing to this church. This is why he's saying it. Are you following your traditional ways? All the stuff that your, your, fa your fathers and your forefathers said? Or are you following Jesus? Because here's what Jesus said. So who or what are you following? Mark, as we said, has collated this group of stories, and I put it together so that the stories can be passed on. And Jesus, what we see here, goes straight to the core of the issue. It's the aim, Cody's question, and is your aim to please God, or is your aim to please people? Look what it says in verse 8, if you look at your books here on page 25. It says this, you disobey God's commands in order to obey what humans have taught. This is what he's trying to get at. He's saying, are you, are you looking to please God? Are you looking to please people? This is what was happening with the church at this point. That already followed, they were following all their religious laws and those sort of things. But here's what Jesus is really asking. I believe it was this. And this is what he's speaking to us. It isn't a religion that we follow. It's God. It isn't people that we aim to please or to do right in front of. It's God. It isn't people that we primarily look to for guidance and direction. It's God. That's what it means that Jesus is Lord. He's in control. Mark up to this point has been trying to make it clear that this is what this is all about, that Jesus is Lord. Do you remember last week we talked about Sabbath? We talked about this word that Phil mentioned in his prayer about co-partnering. But this idea that Jesus was Lord, it even said this, Jesus says this of himself in Mark chapter 2. So the Son of Man is Lord, even over the Sabbath. Peter himself on the day of Pentecost said this in Acts chapter 2, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that, the, that God has made him both Lord and Christ. This Jesus whom you crucified, Paul, to the church in Corinth says this, Yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom are all things, and we exist for him, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we exist through him. This is the idea that we're trying to nail here this morning is Jesus is Lord. And do you know what? We've sang about it this morning. It's all smudged now, so I can't really read it. But we, we sang these words this morning, oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. 
You all sang it. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, was the other one that we read as well, we sang as well. We all sang it. We can say this word time and time again. We call Jesus Lord, but is there an understanding about what this actually means for us and what we have actually are agreeing to when we say, Jesus, you're Lord. Here's the Greek for this word, Lord. So uh, here's a bit of Lurgan Greek for you. It's, it's this word, kurios, I think is how you pronounce it. And what it means is, this is the word for Lord. It means properly. A person exercising absolute ownership rights, Lord. It likewise denotes an owner, a master, exercising full rights. It's a strange concept to think that when we are in a relationship with Jesus where we call him Lord, that there's an ownership in this. But listen, listen what Paul even says again to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 6. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. What it simply means, right? When we say, Jesus, you're Lord. And when we sing these songs, and the song at the end that we're going to sing, I hadn't chatted to Gary about this, but it seemed to be most of the songs had the word Lord in it. Maybe it's, maybe it's just because it's a Christian song. It's the right thing to say. Um, but we're singing another song at the game where we declare this. When we sing and call Jesus Lord, it's saying this, Jesus, I belong to you. All of my rights, everything about me, I submit to you, I give to you, I follow you. That's what it's meaning that Jesus is Lord. It's handing all of that over to him. And I know we know this, but again, we're returning to the basics because I feel for all of us, if we're going to continue to press into not just being the free people, but to continue to live freely, this can't just be something we know up here, but something we practice and live out of here each and every day of our lives. It's what it means in principle for Jesus to be Lord. But Jesus, Jesus said this, didn't he, in, in Matthew chapter 7. Not everyone who calls to me, Lord, Lord, enter the kingdom of heaven. What Jesus was saying, it's really easy to say, Lord, Lord. We, we sang it this morning, whether you meant it or not, you sang it. Because there was a catchy tune with it and the words were on the screen. And we all know it, to pray it, you know, we'll call him Lord. But is there a real understanding of what it really means? Jesus is saying, it's not everyone who calls me Lord, Lord, but only those who do the will of my Father in heaven. Jesus is saying that there's a difference between calling him Lord and making him Lord where he is Lord of our lives. Uh, and that's one of the things we really want to take a look and just press into. Where are we with it? This is the basic crux of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Right, you know, this is one of the main things that we talk about. We are not just Christians. We're disciples. We've been called not to be part of just a nice group of people on a Sunday morning. We've been called to be part of the church of God that is moving, that is following all the time. And the question that we need to ask as a disciple, because a disciple was someone who followed, is this, what or who are you following? Jesus, you know, when he did this with his disciples, every time he invited a disciple to come and be part of what was going on, and this is what happened in each of our lives, and we're invited to be part of the journey with Jesus. This is what is the invitation that has been given to all of us that we've said yes to. These words, follow me. And so when we're saying Jesus is Lord, as we're saying, Jesus, we want to choose to follow after you. We're recognizing the call that's upon our lives as disciples. We want to follow after you. One of the things we've realized, we've been doing a bit of work and just chat about this around the whole area of discipleship, just trying to get some things ready uh, for Vision Sunday and things in September. 
there just constantly seems to be a bit of ambiguity around this idea of discipleship. It can mean totally different things to different people, can't it? If I was to ask you all to come up and take the microphone and tell me what you understand by discipleship, not to say that you're wrong and I'm right, but it's just all of us have different ideas, don't we? For some, it's like, right, it's the midweek Bible study. For some, it's, it could be a life group. For some, it might be one-on-one mentoring. For some, it's just a thing that's for new Christians. So for the ping pong balls this morning, we're like, right, we need to get them discipled. The reality is discipleship is for each and every one of us. And as we've been talking about this and just batting it back and forward, we just realized that we just need to have a basic understanding, a basic definition almost of what it is we understand about discipleship, something we can talk out and talk together time and time again and things that we can press into. And, and in a really basic way, and I want to unpack what we mean by it, just really simple. This is what we would understand as we read in the Bible about discipleship, and it's this, following Jesus in all of life, Right? We're going to be repeating this quite a bit in the coming weeks and months. But this is simply what we mean by being a disciple of Jesus. It's following Jesus in all of life. Simple, isn't it? Following Jesus in all of life. The reason why we're saying that, and just want to look at this this morning, it comes in two parts. Firstly is this. We're following Jesus. Right? We're being really clear about it. If Jesus is Lord which that means that there's almost like an ownership part with us. We're saying, Jesus, we, our lives are yours. We belong to you. We are following you, Jesus, because we recognize and we know, don't we, there's different influences in each of our lives, different voices that we have impacting and inputting into our lives each and every day. So, for example, the voice of society, the world that we live in, that shouts loudly about the things that we must believe in and the things that you all must do in your lives each and every day. Many of the things by which are contradictory to what God would say, but society is a loud voice and it influences us, the people that you work with each and every day. The voice of family. Do you ever notice that sometimes? The family, can be, family are the biggest influence. They have been your biggest influencers as you've been growing up. If you've been part of a family unit where your parents have been a massive influence on your lives, for bad or for good, they have been an influence over you. And it seems to be even still, a lot of the time when you're outworking your relationship with God, your family still are a major influence on your life, that they're inputting things that they'll say, advice that they want to give you. When you are clear or you think that you've heard God on something, your family will want to come back and say, but what about this? Family are an influence. The voice of church, we love to be able to tell one another, you know, give advice and support, which is good. This is why we're part of the body together, to be able to help and discern. Now, sometimes we don't always get it right, but sometimes we can be really clear to give someone direction. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but, you know, sometimes we can do, we can do the wrong thing with the right motive, but sometimes we can do the right thing with the wrong motive as well. And we need to be clear about the words that we speak. And then just your habits, do you, know, do you know the way like you just have your ways that you do things? You know, the way that you've always done it. And what Jesus would say about the way that you need to do it isn't the way you've always done it, but you have your way. And so there's always these things that are almost like they're trying to force something upon you. And what you need to recognize is that while all these influences are there, there's another voice that's speaking, and it's the name of Jesus. And if we're saying Jesus is Lord, it's saying, Jesus, we want to make sure that while all these influences are in our life and each day and the decisions that we make, we want to filter everything through the lens of Jesus, what is your way? What are you saying? Because this is what it means that you're Lord. Otherwise, it's just cheap and easy to call him Lord. 
This is what it means that we are following Jesus. There's so many other things that we could look at that can be an impact in that, but we're following Him alone. And so all of these, all of these living as a believer regularly means that we must be asking, what is God saying to us? For us as the church, we must never stop asking the two questions. You know, we've, if you're new to the church, we've been doing this quite a bit over the last number of years. It's in all of our dis- different discipleship material and your devotionals. These are the questions we're asking. But just simply this, this is what it means to follow Jesus. What's God saying? What am I going to do about it? So what, what situations are you, are you going through at the moment? Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. Naturally, you'll just try to outwork just in your own decisions. Again, there'll be other influences, people who'll want to say something. But what we really need to be doing, if Jesus is Lord and we want to continue to live freely as Christians, is just more and more and more be practicing the rhythm of asking this, God, what do you have to say in this? This new job that you're offering? God, this relationship that I'm in, what do you have to say about just Jesus? What is your will? Because I want to follow you. This is what it means that you are Lord of my life. And then the decision... And over to us is, right, what do we do about that? How do we follow Jesus into those things? But it has to be clear, what or who are we following in it and going after Jesus? The second part was simply this. We're following Jesus, but it's this, in all of life. And this is where it gets a bit more tricky. It's really easy to say, Jesus, you can be Lord of this part of my life, but maybe not live into some other parts. You know the age old saying, what is it? He's either Lord of all or he's... What is it? No, Lord of all. What's, Phil, what's that saying again? <laughs> there you go. Lord of all or not, not Lord at all. Good. That's a catchy one, isn't it? And, uh, and so we all know that, right? This is, it's really easy to say, but it has to be in all areas of life. If you take a look at your books again, page 25, so we're again in Mark 7, if you're following a different Bible, but in verse 21 and 22, Jesus is being really clear here. He's saying, in a life that isn't lived, submitted to him, here's some of the things that can happen as a result of it by the influences that end up in our lives and in our heart. Out of your heart come evil thoughts, so your thoughts can be totally misleading. Your thoughts are not the way God would be thinking about things. They're completely off the track with them. They need to be submitted to Jesus in this vulgar deeds or actions, stealing, murder, unfaithfulness in marriage. You see, in all of life means that how do you live out your life of following Jesus and being a disciple, even in your marriage, in your role as a parent, in your role as a boss, in your role as an employee, how do you live out your life of following Jesus and saying yes to Jesus in each and every one of these different dynamics of life? Because I can't just say that that part's for him and this part you're just getting on with. It's all of life that we're saying we're following him into and that he's Lord of. The next parts that go on uh, with this. So unfaithfulness in marriage, greed, meanness, deceit, indecency, envy, insults. So the way that we speak even needs brought under the lordship of Jesus, pride and foolishness. Some of the other things that I just noted down here. What does it mean that Jesus is Lord of your finances with your money? I could talk about tithes and offerings here, but just generally, how, how, how do you handle your money? How do you act out of a heart of generosity, which is the heart of the kingdom, with your money? What do you use your money for, which God has provided to cater for your needs, but do you just waste it? How is he Lord in that area? And in your sexuality and how you live out your life in this area, which is a massive area of life, how do you say, Jesus, you're Lord of this? How do you follow Jesus' ways in this area? Recognizing what God's 
principles and ideas are on this. You know, that it's because it's, it's easy to say he's Lord, but then just get on with whatever, do whatever you want in the area of sexuality. In, in your health, how is Jesus Lord when it comes to times where there's good health but bad health as well? The different seasons of life that you're going through. It might be in terms of your employment with your work the way that you, you obtain money, all these things. How do you submit it all to the lordship of Jesus, our thoughts, our words, our actions? Because being part of the church, a Christian, a follower of Jesus, it's a massive privilege, isn't it? But it's a huge responsibility. And what I would love you to do, just in the closing minutes here, I would just love just to do a couple of bits of just reflection. I would love you to just reflect for a moment. Take a second on your own. And just ask, what are some of the areas in your life that you recognize that it's a struggle for you living in at the moment? Allow the Holy Spirit just to speak to you. What are some of the areas that you recognize are a struggle for you as you try to outlive or to walk your life for Jesus? We, we've all got stuff, by the way, just in case any of you are feeling bad. <laughs> the, I love this quote, just before I put a couple of points up on it, but I love this quote by Charles Spurgeon, because the reason we want to live our lives for Jesus and invite Jesus even into these areas of weakness that you've just identified, so that in our lives, Christ could be glorified, in our lives, Christ would be lived out, in our lives, people will come to know about Jesus and his kingdom through our lives. This is what it means to be part of the church, the sent ones of God, isn't it? I love this quote that Spurgeon says this, a Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. It's either we're just playing the game or we're actually getting on and we're doing it, but God has called us to be. If we are those who are claiming the name of Christ and are saying we are saved, we recognize what it means. We are set apart. We are the holy ones called apart unto God. And we are those who are living our lives for him now and each day trying our best to submit ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus. Listen, what I'm saying, I'm not saying sorry in this, is that every single one of us needs to be squeaky clean and perfect. None of us are, but it's that each day in our lives we're saying, Jesus, I want to say yes to you. I recognize even these areas of weakness that we've just identified or thought through. I want to bring it to you. And even the areas that I'm doing really well in, Jesus, I want to continue to bring that to you because I want to continue to live in freedom in that area. So how do we deal with some areas of weakness? Three things. Firstly, I'd say this. Talk openly with God about it. Be realistic with God. You do not need to hide this from God because he already knows. Right? So whatever your struggles are, talk to God. That's what prayer is. Right, So if you're struggling with something, the worst thing you could do is to think you've got to say the Lord's Prayer five times a day to somehow please God. Be real. That's what prayer is, where we can talk and say, Father, I'm really struggling in this area. This is constantly happening time and time and time. And God, I just realized that there's something that's massively going on, and I need your help with it. You're inviting him in and being part of this. Do you understand? This is what prayer is about. So we talk with God. We're being realistic about it. And when we're doing that, we just need to realize we need to talk to someone that we can trust. This is where accountability is essential in our lives. If we're going to live freely, we need other people. We need to be able to, yes, with God, but we need to be able to bring this into the light. We need to be able to talk about this so people can hold us and account in this area, particularly in these areas of struggle for you. And so it's not as if you talk with everybody, but someone you can trust. 
someone who will ask you about it, not someone who'll pat you on the back and say, oh, don't worry. No, someone who'll call you up and say, come on, let's go after what God has for you in this area. We need those in our lives. Accountability is essential. If you haven't got that, we'd love you to be asking someone for that. We're going to be talking more about it in September. It's what the whole structure of life groups is about, is for accountability. It's what discipleship is based best on. And then thirdly, and finally with it, is simply this. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. It's one thing where we say, you know, we invite Jesus into our heart. Do you know where the, always, we always teach this to the kids, you know, we're inviting the Lord into our heart. You know, we're washed clean, which is true, we have. But we need to guard our heart above all else. Proverbs says this. It says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Jesus said that. If you look at verse 20 in, in your books for me, it says this. Um, it says, what comes from your heart is what makes you unclean. That list that we read of all the stuff that presents itself when we're not submitting to Jesus. He says this in verse 23. All of these come from your heart and they're what make you unfit to worship God. Jesus constantly presses into this. It's not just about the do's and the don'ts. It's what's going on in your heart. Do you remember in the Beatitudes, Jesus says this. He's like, you have heard it said, you shall not kill, because that's what the Jewish tick box was. With not killing, I'm doing all right. Jesus says, but I tell you, if you're even angry in your heart, it's just as bad, because Jesus was going to the very root issue of what was going on, where there was a spirit of anger that had got implanted in someone's heart that led to them killing someone. What's going on in each of our hearts is crucial in all of this when we submit to Jesus. And so above all else, we guard our hearts. How do we guard? Simply we guard what goes in. Because you need to know this, what goes in will come out. Stuff will always come in, but how you process and how you deal with it is crucial. And so as Gary and the guys come, I just want you to take another moment just to reflect on something for me just as we wrap this up. I want you to take a moment just to reflect on the current state of your heart. Let, let me tell you how I do that and how I practice it. Firstly, it's really important to ask the Holy Spirit to help you with this one. Do you know where David and the Psalm says, search me, O God, see if there's anything in here that isn't of you. So we need to invite the Holy Spirit into that. But let's, let's reflect on this and let's ask yourself these questions. Close your eyes for me, will you? So let's say over, over this last weekend, what's been coming out of your heart? What have been the things that you have done, said, or thought? Because remember, whatever has come out, it's been a result of whatever's in there. So what, what has come out? There's probably been some really good things. But it's important to ask, has there been anything that, that you just know hasn't really reflected Jesus? Has there been something that it's just, it just seems to a, a constant repeat? And so once you've identified some things, the next thing for you to do is simply to ask this, where does it come from? Let's try to get to the heart of it and the root of it. Where do you think it has caused 
it's, it's really important that we guard what comes in, but there's always stuff that comes in and that's how we filter and process it. I feel for some people in the room that some of what is inside has been stuff that has been inside for years. There's been stuff that has happened years ago and that there hasn't been a releasing of it or letting go of it. This morning we would love to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you at the end, but we have a prayer ministry team at the back. And if you identify that as you, that there's just some deep-rooted stuff that you need help with to process and to release, we would love to pray with you. For some of us, though, this is current stuff that we're letting in, stuff, people around us, friends, some of those other influences, stuff we're listening to, stuff we're watching, which are influencing us and it's letting us in, and this is a result of the pattern. And the question is then, so what do we do about it? What are some of the things that we need to say no to so that we can say yes to the Lord? Up to this point, up to this point in Mark, we have read story after story about Jesus coming and proclaiming the kingdom, people being healed, people being delivered. And this all has told us stories about people being freed, <laughs> You have your own story about how you've been freed and the day that Jesus saved you. You've all got your own stories. But Mark takes a pause at this point in Mark chapter 7. And Jesus drills into it at this point now to say that it's great being free, but keep yourself free. Don't be getting wrapped up in stuff that's just going to just bind your life. Keep yourself free and keep pressing into those. And So the way that we do this is just simply by doing what we're saying this morning. It's by filtering all of this through the lens of Jesus, you're Lord of my life. That's a different way of thinking for me right now. Can't just be my old habits, the way that I'm just used to doing things. It can't be just because other people, even though they're good people, have told me to do some things. Jesus, you now have a way for me. Teach me your ways, oh Lord. Lead me in them and praying. And God, help me to guard my heart. Help me to guard what's coming in here. And as we stand this morning just to sing, can you do that? I just want to read this one verse over us this morning. Let's stand, can we? Jesus simply says this. Again, all of this, this has been stuff I felt the Holy Spirit leading me on this week. The last two or three weeks have been like this. You've got my Bible study, just an extended version of it, what the Holy Spirit's been doing with me. I feel for all of us, this is the desire of the heart of the Father. He wants it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. So don't submit yourself to other things that are just going to bind you up. Stay free in this. And this is the heart of Jesus. This is what he says. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn. You'll learn. doesn't mean you've got to get it right, but you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So Father, I just thank you for this word. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you help us not just to be hearers of it, but God, for myself, God, for every one of us. God, I just pray that we would just be doers, that we would put it into practice. God, help us to live a life, Jesus, where you're Lord of all areas of our life. Jesus, we want to follow you in all of life. 
God, I pray, Lord, just even into this issue, God, if there's some deep-rooted stuff, God, going on in people's hearts that is just constantly causing a repeated cycle, God, of struggle. God, we just pray that this moment, God, this day would be a releasing moment, God, a stepping out from the past, God, and into a new future, a new future of hope in you, Jesus, because you're Lord over our lives. God, our past isn't what determines and dictates. It's you, Jesus. You're Lord of our future and our every day. And so, Jesus, we say, God, would you just help us in this, God, of there's things we just need to be saying no to right now. God, give us the boldness to do it because, Jesus, we choose you. Your Lord, and even as we worship you now in song, we do it out of hearts that just declare Jesus is Lord. We pray it all in your name, Jesus. Amen.
Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your greatness, Lord. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for the unforced rhythms of grace. Lord, would you help us to learn those principles? Will you help us to learn how to live lightly and freely? Will you help us to learn how to be followers of you in all of our lives? Lord, not uh, allowing friends and society and family and habits to force us into what we are, but allowing the unforced rhythms of grace to formulate who we really and truly are in kingdom principles. So Lord, bless your word to us. Bless this time together, we pray. May your healing virtues and power be upon every heart and every body and every mind. In this room, we pray. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. A couple of little things, um, just as we part. The prayer meeting, I said, is 